Well, good morning, everybody. Sorry for those that I scared on that one. Welcome to Solano Valley. If you're joining us online, happy Sunday. If you're joining us in person, happy Sunday. Excited to see you guys and uh, worship together. Uh, Why don't we all stand up together as we sing? Come let us worship our King. Come let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great things. Oh, hero. Oh, hero of heaven. You conquered the grave. You free every captive. You break every chain. Oh, God. You have done great things. We dance in your freedom. Awake and alive. Oh, Jesus, our Savior. Your name lifted high. Oh, God. You have done great things. Sing, you've been faithful. You've been faithful through every storm. You'll be faithful forevermore. You have done great things. When I know you will do it again. For your promise is yes and amen. You will do great things. God, you'll do great things. Sing, oh hero. Oh hero of heaven, you conquer the grave. You free every captive. You break every chain, oh God. You have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high, oh, God, you have done great things. Hallelujah, hallelujah, God, above it all, hallelujah, God, unshakable, hallelujah, you have done great things. Hallelujah, God, above it all. Hallelujah, God, unshakable. Hallelujah, you have done great things. You've done great things. Oh, hero, oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive. You break every chain, oh, God. You have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh, God, you have done great things. You have done great things, God. You have done great things.
I would be hopeless without your goodness. I would be desperate without your love. Slave to the darkness, if it wasn't for the cross. You have won me with your kindness. Chase me down when I was lost. Where would I be if it wasn't for the cross? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now On my freedom, oh hallelujah for the cross. All my shame, all my shame was met with mercy. Now your mercy will be my song. Enjoy the glory, know the power the cross. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I was a prisoner. Now I'm not. With your blood, you you bought my freedom. Hallelujah for the cross. Sing by your stripes. Cause by your stripes I'm healed And by your death I live The power of sin is overcome It is finished, it is done By your stripes I'm healed And by your death I live The power of sin is overcome It is finished, it is done And by your stripes God I'm healed And by your death I live. The power of sin is overcome. It is finished. It is done. And by your stripes I'm healed. And by your death I live. The power of sin is overcome. It is finished. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I was a prisoner. Now I'm not with your blood you you bought my freedom and hallelujah for the cross Hallelujah Thank you Jesus and I was a prisoner now I'm not with your blood you you bought my freedom oh hallelujah for the cross
Heavenly Father, this morning we thank you. God, we worship you. God, we are so excited to get to come to a place like Solano Valley and sing your praises. God, learn about you. Get excited about what you have for us, Father. God, we just thank you and praise you this morning in your name. Amen. wonderful helpers here, Elias and Jeremiah. You guys know Elias and Jeremiah. I'm so glad they're helping me today. Well, we want to welcome you here to SVC, to Solano Valley Church, and just say how thankful we are that you're here today. And for everyone who is um, here for the first time or you're new to our church, we just want to say we're excited you're here. And to all those who are watching us online, we want to say welcome, and we hope that soon you'll feel um, encouraged to join us in person. We've, um, we'd love to have you here. We've made it a very safe place, and so we want you guys to get in the habit of coming back to church in person so that we can worship together here in our building. So I have a couple of announcements for you guys. One of the things that we're big on in this church is groups and being in community with each other. And being in community, just all that means is having a place where you feel safe to express your um, questions with God, about God and, and to be in fellowship with other people. And we do that through small groups. And small groups is an awesome way for you to just um, join a group. You can come. You don't have to have any prior Bible knowledge. You don't have to have any prior Bible knowledge. You can just come and listen and learn together. And so we want to encourage you to go to the SVC app to look at groups and see what's available right now. Speaking of a group, we're going to be having a bowling party. Who likes bowling? Oh, my gosh. I love bowling. And so we're going to be having an SVC kids and youth bowling party on July 7th in Vacaville at Stars. And so you can sign up for that today. It's only $5 a kid, and we're going to have so much fun bowling. We're going to have a bowling trophy. We're going to have some prizes for some bowlers. You know who has the most gutter balls? That might be me. I don't know. But we want you to sign up, and we're going to have such a good time bowling on the 7th at Stars. All right. And the last thing I want to talk to you about is giving. In Proverbs, it tells us that everything belongs to the Lord. And that he blesses us with it so that we can give it back to him. And so we know that a portion of everything that we have already belongs to him. And the Bible also says that the... Wait, guys, don't knock that over. because <laughs> The Bible also says that God loves a joyful giver. So we should give out of joy and just being thankful that we have um, the things to give to the Lord. So we want to encourage you to give today. Here, you stand on this side of me. Over here. And you stand on the side of me, just like that, perfect. And there's four ways for you to give. You can give online at svc or sonavalley.org backslash giving. You can tap give on our SVC app. You can send a check to 1307 Oliver Road, Fairfield, California, 94534. 
or you can text GIVE to 707-883-3019. And then if you're here in person, you can also drop it off in the back. So we want to thank you for being a cheerful giver and for giving out of joy. So you guys ready to, to start? Okay. You did? Okay. So we're going to do an experiment because it wouldn't be um, Family Worship Sunday without some science up here, right? We like to do some science up here. So, yes. <laughs> All right. So imagine this cup right here. Wait one second. So when God made us, he made us to be in fellowship with him, right? So he made us kind of like Legos that fit together. We are supposed to, okay. Don't touch the bowl, okay? Okay. <laughs> and we're supposed to be in fellowship with each other. So us and God should fit together just perfectly like this, right? But we are human beings, right? We're people. And we let stuff come into our lives that kind of separates us from God. So pretend like this is us when we're first born, right? We're totally pure, white. There's nothing on us, right? But as we live our life, stuff happens. So this stuff that comes in our life that separates us from God is called what? Sin, right? So everybody sins. Everybody sins. There's not a person in this room that that doesn't sin daily, unfortunately, right? So there's stuff in our lives that keeps us and separates us from God. So let's just say that one time you got really angry at your parents. Let's say, yeah. One time you got really angry at your parents and maybe you went in your room and you just, you know, said some bad stuff about them, right? We've all done that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Slamming the door. Okay. So let's write, let's write, let's write dishonor. Because when we don't obey our parents, that's called dishonoring, right? Okay, what about, yeah, okay, so what about when you get super mad at a friend at school and you're like, I hate them, and we have, like, hate in our heart, right? That could be another big sin, right? Yeah. All right, lying, that's a good one. We've all told a little white lie before. And there's so many other things that we do. We... We, um, it doesn't have to be, yeah, cussing. Oh, you know. Whoops, yep, that happens all the time. So the thing is, is that everybody has a big stack of these in their lives, right? Everybody does. Not just you, not just me, but every single person in the world. Because we're, we're born with like a sin nature, which means it makes it kind of easy for us to sin. It's actually harder for us to, to try to, um, live by like what God says, right? Yeah, but the thing is, is that God does not, when we sin like this, there's all kinds of stuff, sin, okay? All right, so sin separates us from God, right? So we have us and then all the stuff that we put in our lives, and it separates us from God. And God doesn't love that. He wants us to be so close to him, right? He wants us to be right next to him, but... In the end, you know, we probably think, we probably think that God just thinks we are like the worst, right? He thinks that, oh my gosh, these people, they can't get it together. They're always sinning. They have all this stuff in their lives. But you know what? God does not think that. You know what he thinks about you? He loves you so much. And he's like, you know what? I don't want you guys to feel like you're separated from me. So I want you to come to me to confess your sins and to ask for forgiveness and I will take them away. Do you know that? And it reminds me of the time 
when Jeremiah, do you remember when you got baptized? Do you, do you guys remember when Jeremiah got baptized? Oh my gosh, I'll never forget it. I'm going to cry just talking about it. So if you weren't here, Jeremiah, Dan was going to baptize Jeremiah, and he was a little nervous to get in the water. Remember? Do you remember what happened? Kayla jumped in the water with him and got him in there, and Dan baptized them both. And it was like, oh, and I just thought, wow, God, you're so great because that's what you do for us. You know, if whenever we are afraid or we think that, you know, that you don't want us, you just jump right in there with us. And God takes all of our sins. And you know what the Bible says about our sins? He throws them in the ocean, in the depths of the ocean, where no one can see them anymore, where they're totally gone, right? And so this little um, bowl here is kind of like a small ocean, right? Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, so we're going to put all of our sins. We're going to put us in there first, okay? Then we're going to put all of our sins in there. Ready? Drop them in. Just push them down there. And watch what God does to our sins. Oops. See what's happening? What's happening? He's dissolving them, right? He's ta- Don't touch it. Don't touch it. He's taking them. It's, it's just fear. I'll polish them over so he's not going <laughs> to. See what God does when we ask for forgiveness and we say, God, take our sins away. He, he doesn't just um, put them aside for another day. He literally, totally, totally dissolves them and gets rid of them out of their life. They're gone. They're totally gone. Okay? Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? And it's kind of like, yes, it's kind of like whenever you were baptized and, and God says, okay, I want to wash you with my blood. I want to wash you, wash away all of your sins. And that's what happens. God doesn't just take our sin and say, okay, we'll deal with it for another day. No, he throws it in the ocean and he totally gets rid of it and it's gone forever. Okay. So let's think of today. Yes. So today I want everyone, everyone, don't go away from this place without letting God change you and take away those things in your life. You don't have to walk out of this place the same person. God brought you here today. You walked past this place today. You came, you woke up this morning, you're here today for the reason that God wanted you to hear what we had to say today, what he has to say today, that your sins can totally be forgiven. Your life can totally be changed. He can take all these things away and he can put you and him back together like Legos, like the original plan was. So thank you guys so much. You guys were the best helpers. Yeah. All right, you guys. So I want to introduce um, someone who, um, you know, is is my friend and your friend, someone who is such a great teacher, and we're so excited to have him preaching today. And so um, Dan Mikola is going to come and preach today, and I want you guys to give him a big round of applause. We're so excited that he's here. Take it off. Not working? There we go. All right. Well, that was awesome. That was a cool exhibit. I love those boys. Well, good morning, Sloan Valley Church. My name is Daniel Mikola, as Kimberly already said, and I'm an urban missionary in the public school system. Glad to be here with you today, especially on a family worship Sunday. 
Putting the mic on. Is that me? Wow. Getting like 3D sound up here. Um, we're going to look at John chapter 7 and explore Jesus' trip to the Feast of the Tabernacles. What is that? Well, I got a little quick video for us to, to show you what that looks like, what the festival is all about. Kimberly mentioned Legos. I love Legos. Let's take a quick look at this clip. I'm Evan Wolkenstein. You can call me Wolk. I call Sukkot the Jewish picnic holiday because you get to eat your meals outside and you build a hut to provide shade for you, your family, and your guests. And you do it for a week. Oh, and you wave around a trident made out of plants and a weird lemon thing. Wait, stop, back up. How did we end up with a holiday like this? God tells Moses to tell the Israelites about the three awesome parties, a.k.a. harvest festivals, they will have once they reach the promised land. Passover, Shavuot, and the fall harvest, the festival of booths, Sukkot. Why? Because, as God tells Moses, the people of Israel shall dwell in booths. Now here, a booth doesn't mean a phone booth or a photo booth. It means a festival picnic hut. And we're supposed to live and eat in our festival picnic huts, our Sukkot. You're supposed to sleep in it, study Torah in it, hang out in it. In some places, you can sukkah hop, enjoying food and l'chaims all night long. The sukkah is a symbol not only of the harvest when ancient crop harvesters spent nights in the field huts, but also of the clouds of glory God created to protect the Israelites wandering in the desert. So, we make our Sukkot today comfy, magical places. Some families hang gourds, strings of popcorn, paper chains, drawings, disco balls. The one thing that ties them all together is zach, the plant matter on top. Four out of five rabbis agree that zach is the most beautiful word in the Hebrew language. And there's more. God said on the first day of this festival, take the fruit of good trees, branches of palm trees, boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook, and party it up before God. of what the Feast of Tabernacles is, Lego style for our kids today and our adults. So we are going to take a look at John chapter 7. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me, please. Or you can take a look at the screen. We have a lot of text to go through. We're going through the whole book today. All right. Not the whole book, the whole chapter. All right. To give you some background, though, obviously just with that video, but chapter 6 preceded chapter 7, obviously. And what Jesus or what John mentions is after this. So between chapter six, which Gary will talk about next week when he comes back, and where chapter seven takes place, is about six months. This is also going to be six months. This is placed six months before Jesus dies on the cross for us. The Jews are celebrating this festival of tabernacles, where they'll head to Judea, and they'll build these booths made out of tree branches. And that reminded them of God taking care of them as they wandered to the desert for 40 years and before entering the promised land. They still celebrate the ceremony today. Let's take a look at John chapter, one, or chapter 7, verse 1 to 5. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near... Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave Galilee and go to Judea, 
so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one wants to become a public figure, acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. So let's go back to verse 1 there. Why did the Jewish leaders want to kill him? In chapter 5, Jesus heals a lame man, paralyzed guy. Pick up your mat and walk. He did that on the Sabbath, and the, the leaders weren't too happy about that. Who are Jesus' brothers? I should say half-brothers, because they share the same mom but a different dad. And that in Mark 6.3 says, the Bible tells us that James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, but even his own brothers didn't believe in him. They are advising him to go to the festival and try and show off like some kind of 32 AD influencer to get hits and followers, right? But they don't really see him as the son of God. I can't imagine growing up in a house with Jesus being my half-brother and not seeing what kind of special he is. I'm an only child. I didn't have the opportunity to grow up with siblings. But I'm blessed to have Jeremiah and Elias who love each other. And there are times they do things to, you know, each other to irritate and get under the skin. I mean, you saw them up here today as a witness. That wasn't planned. Um, but I imagine Jesus' brothers, they annoyed each other, right? But what about Jesus, the perfect, perfect man, sin-free? I wonder how that looked. Well, here's what Jesus tells them in response to being invited to the ceremony. John 6 through 10. Therefore, Jesus told them, my time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. Verse 8, you go to the festival. I'm not going up to this festival because my time has not yet fully come. After he said this, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his brothers had left for the festival, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. So he did go. He wasn't lying to his brothers about going to the feast. It's just that time aspect. God's timing is perfect. He wasn't going right then. Commentary says he shows up in secret a few days into the festival. He wasn't going to show off and be a celebrity. He wasn't going to, um, I'm sorry, he was going to fulfill God's will. He responded here that he is obedient to God's plan and God's will. His brothers obeyed their own will and their own whims and were free to do so because they were not seeking the will of God. The Feast of the Tabernacles was an eight-day ceremony that was full of religious rituals and traditions, and the brothers were going to put on a great religious show, exactly what they were telling Jesus to do. But they don't believe in him as Messiah. Let's keep going. John chapter, or verse 11. Now at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus and asking, Where is he? Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, he's a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives the people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for the fear of the leaders. Not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple courts and he began to teach. The Jews there were amazed and asked, how did this man get such learning without having been taught? The crowd thinks he's a good man and he's deceived the people. That's what they were whispering. Don't we hear the same things about Jesus in our crowds today? 
People who don't believe say, he's just, ah, he's just a nice guy. Ah, he's a great prophet. He's a good teacher. They say he brainwashed people. He did tricks, and he even lied. All this is nothing new. They are saying about him then that we say today. But Jesus knows who he is, and he responds. Turn with me to verse 16. Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak my own. Verse 18, whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There's nothing false about him. So those who actually seek God's will will know he is God sent. That means those who are not seeing it are not trusting in, nor are they following God. Notice that he addresses the belief of his brothers from verse 3. He's not speaking to gain his own personal glory. He doesn't care about the followers as far as like, oh, me being popular, right? Like the YouTube thing we have these days. It's not about that. It's about the salvation. He's not speaking to gain that personal glory, but the glory of God who sent him. Verse 19. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet one of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? You're demon possessed, the crowd answered. Who's trying to kill you? Jesus said to them, I did one miracle, and you're all amazed. Yet because uh, Moses gave you circumcision, though actually it did not come from Moses, but from the patriarchs, you circumcised a boy on the Sabbath. Now, if a boy can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing a whole man's body on the Sabbath? Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. Remember, the Jewish leaders from chapter 5, when he healed that lame man, they wanted to kill him for healing on the Sabbath. The crowd claims he's demon-possessed, which also explains their own hypocrisy, that they are placing themselves in a more righteous and higher position than God. They definitely don't have their priorities straight. Circumcision on the Sabbath is okay, but not healing of the whole body? Hmm. Hmm. Yep. Thank you, Rudy. Verse 25, at that point, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask, isn't this the man they're trying to kill? And here he is, speaking publicly, and they are not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Messiah? But we know where this man is from. When the Messiah comes, no one will know where he is from. Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out, yes, you know me. And you know where I am from. I am not here on my own authority, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him because I am from him. And he sent me. Division because his words were more valid than religious leaders. So here's a divide right here. People saying he is, people saying he's not. They had been the head honchos, these religious leaders, all into the Old Testament. And right now they're being out-preached. By someone without rabbi studies, right? He didn't come through our schools. He doesn't have his master's degree or his PhD. But here he is, not on his own accord. So maybe he was the Messiah. But they still just saw him as a man. Let's continue. Verse 30. At this, 
They tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Right? Timing right there. God's in control. Still, many in the crowd believed in him. They said, when the Messiah comes, will he perform more signs than this man? The Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about him. They panicked. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him. Jesus said, I am with you for only a short time, and I'm going to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, Where does this man intend to go that we cannot find him? Will he go where our people live scattered among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What did he mean when he said, You will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. Continue on verse 37. On the last and greatest day of this festival... Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were were later to receive. Up to that point in time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So let's back up. On the last day of the festival, tradition was that a priest, a priest would come, carry a goblet of water into the temple court. And the people would sing as this water was poured onto the altar, right? They're pouring on this altar to remember and honor God providing um, the Israelites in the desert through Moses. And this was in Numbers 20, verse 8 through 11. It was in the middle of this ceremony that Jesus began speaking and calling everyone to receive the living water from him. And I think he did this on purpose. This time it was perfect. He is setting up a parallel between the living water that he is offering and the desert water that came from Moses that they're celebrating. So we know that the living water is the greatest of the two, right? Between Moses and Jesus, I'd rather take Jesus' water. So they did the ceremony to remember Moses' water, but Moses did not follow God's instructions, and therefore he's denied the promised land. But why? Well, he was supposed to talk to the rock, but instead he hit it with his staff. Why would he do that? Let's back up. In Exodus, Exodus chapter 17, 1 through 7, God told Moses to hit the rock with the staff and water would flow. This was the first time God gave him instructions. Moses did it. Water came out. Hallelujah. Glory. Right? But in Numbers, God told Moses, he said, bring the staff, but I want you to talk to the rock. What did Moses do? Moses whacked the rock. He hit it. He was disobedient to God. And here's Jesus telling him that he will provide living water. That sounds way better than Moses' rock water. The funny thing is this parallelism. The Jews are celebrating what God did for their ancestors, right? By providing water, the salvation, so they can survive the 40 years in the desert. Here's Jesus during this tradition that they're celebrating their ancestors. He's right there in their face, offering the salvation living water, but they don't get it because they're not really listening or are they seeking God. They're focused on the celebration, their tradition. And we need to remember not to get caught up in traditions. Just because God did something for us one way doesn't mean he's going to do it the same way the second time. As a math teacher, I love math, and as I teach my students, I share that passion with them. To sum up math in a few words, I would say math is recognizing patterns. 
looking at rules and trying to use those patterns to plan and predict. But God doesn't work that way. We can try and make predictions and assume his will, but the only way to make sure we are on his path to be with him is to seek him constantly. God will change it up and show us that our plans are not as good as his, and our earthly predictions will fall short. Thank you, Rudy. Thank you. Go back to the Bible here. Let's finish off John chapter 7, verse 40. On hearing the words, some of the people said, Surely this man is the prophet. Others said, He is the Messiah. Still others asked, How can the Messiah come from Galilee? Does not Scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Side note, where was Jesus born? Getting caught up here, guys. Thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Someone, some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priest and the Pharisees who asked them, Why don't you bring him in? Verse 46, No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards replied. You mean he's also deceived you also, the Pharisees retorted. Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? No, but this mob that knows nothing of the law, there's a curse on them. Verse 50, Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier, this was back in chapter 3, he interacted with Jesus, and it was one of their own number, asked, Does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Look into it, and you will find a prophet does not come out of Galilee. Well, funny thing is, I did look into that. They challenged me. And there's three prophets that come from Galilee. Elijah, Jonah, and perhaps Nahum. You can look that up in 1 Kings 17.1 or 2 Kings 14.25. They were known from that region of Galilee in the first century. So thanks, guys. I looked that up. With this story and the tradition that were celebrated, I see the irony in how they are celebrating God, saving them, and providing for them all those years in the desert. But here, God in the flesh is speaking to them, calling them to believe, and they aren't accepting of him. Traditions and tasks can get in the way of seeing and hearing. They can distract us from who he is. When we set our eyes to our plans, our events, our traditions, our good works, our day-to-day life, and our view of Jesus is watered down. We forget that he is perfectly faultless, and his love is overwhelming. He is who he says he is. What else does the Bible say about Jesus? He's almighty, bread of life, advocate, capstone, bridegroom, deliverer, faithful and true witness, holy one, great and high priest, hope of glory, king eternal, image of God, king of kings, light of the world, mighty God, Lord of lords, son of God, our protection, resurrection and the life, the rock, the way, the truth, and the word of God. Woo! That's not all of them. To be continued. So what can we take away from this chapter today? One, and I'm sorry, Nate, I think we went a little out of order. I appreciate you having my back. Jesus is who he says he is. In verse 7, he is sent by God, and he testifies that the world's works are evil. In verse 16 and 18, he's sent by God. He speaks God's word, and he's a seeker of God's glory. He's truthful. In verse 29, he's from God, sent by God. 
and verse 37. He's a giver of this living water. Point number two. We may be letting traditions, tasks, and good things get in the way of seeing and hearing Jesus. Jesus' own brothers were so focused on the tradition of the festival that they were oblivious to his brother was and his message. The Jews in the temple courts were so focused on the laws on Moses that they couldn't see their own hypocrisy and this flawed logic. And point number three, God's plan is perfect. Ours are flawed and self-focused. Jesus did not go to the festival with his brothers. God's plan was for him to go in secret and glorify God. The people in the crowds were not seeking God's will. Verse 17 tells us that anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether Jesus' teaching came from God or whether he spoke on his own. And they couldn't figure that out. I've asked some of our kiddos in the church, it being Family Worship Sunday, um, who is Jesus? Let's take a look at the screen. If we can get that video up, Nate Dog. God. God's son. God's son. A great, great son. He's the son of God. God's son. The son of God. God's son that came on the earth and went on the cross to die for all of our sins. A friend of mine. My best friend. He died on the cross for our sins so we could be with him forever when we die. He's the way and the truth, the truth and the life. The one who saves us from all evil, and he is the God of all creation. He died on the cross, but in three days he, he was alive. He died on the cross for all of our sins. He can do whatever he wants except bad stuff. He is a role model for me. When we do anything bad, he'll remember it and and he'll remember it and make it and make it disappear. He died on the cross for us. Jesus makes us happy and proud. He died on the cross for to save all of us, and so all the sins will go away. He will take away our sins. He means everything to me. He guides me during my hard and good times. He helps people. We like him. Basically, like a bodyguard, like he put like a bodyguard for everyone. My savior, my savior, Lord who saved us. My savior, my savior, and my faith. And he's the most important person to me in this whole entire universe. The one who saved me, our savior. God sent Jesus to earth to save us. Our Savior. The Bible says about Jesus that he died on the cross to save our sins and was raised from the dead three days later. That was cute. Aren't they cute? Thank you, families, for helping me put that video together. And you might notice a few guests. We had the Dorman boys in there, Mason and Ben, and Jeremy and Melissa Wilson's kids, Samara and Malachi, to hang out and, and send it our way. So we still have our extended family that's not here with us today. So appreciate you all. Um, they really get it, don't they? Our kids right here, they're amazing. Listen to the responses and editing, editing this video. 
uh, made me really think about my faith. And these kids really get it. They know who Jesus is. And Jesus is who he says he is. He is God's son with divine authority. He's a Messiah, Savior, and living water. He's trustworthy and his will is good. He never forsakes or deceives. He's the way maker. He's our bodyguard, right? Best friend. Do we believe that Jesus is who he says he is? When I'm asked if I believe in Jesus, my automatic answer is yes. Is that me? Move it over. Thanks, Eric. Amateur hour. Um, lost my part here. Uh, when I'm asked if I believe in Jesus, my automatic answer is yes. Always, right? Like, if I ask you, how are you? Automatic response is good. How are you? Like, you might not be good, but that's just a quick reply that we do. And in this chapter, reading this chapter, studying it, it got me more thinking. I believe for sure, but I have moments where my belief is so thin, it's hard to see and feel. These moments aren't when I'm in my lowest place. They're when life is good. Life's great. Sometimes I'm like Jesus' brothers. For me, any time will do. When things are going good, I can get lost about my own plans and only see Jesus during the times I have designated for him. I think about the desperate times of prayer, like when I'm in need, if I'm unemployed, I'm looking for a job, and how grateful I am when he provides me with that job. And maybe a couple months later, it's like, oh, you know what? Things are going good. Thanks, Jesus. Give me back that steering wheel. I'll take control, right? Or give me the remote back, please. And I also think, um, you know, when he provides for that, what about Christmas and Easter? These holidays are Christ-centered, kind of like how the Jews have their holiday for how God provided in the desert. But we celebrate Jesus through Christmas and Easter, and they're Christ-centered, but are they really? Are we centering and celebrating Christ when we dash around Christmas shopping, spending that money we might not have? Or are we focusing on Jesus' resurrection or the chocolates and jelly beans? Sometimes we aren't that different than the crowd that Jesus interacted with in John 7. We can read the Bible and react to some of these people who are doubting Jesus and think, man, if I was back there, I would never doubt. That's Jesus. How can they not believe? But in reality, we are just as oblivious and distracted as they were. Here's a question I ask myself that you guys can think about as well. If I really believe that Jesus is who he says he is, then why don't I seek him during desperately through all seasons? The good, the bad, the ugly, the pretty, the fall, the winter, summer and spring, all seasons. If my belief was full and healthy, I would be seeking him in everything all the time. I would give him the, the honor, the glory, and every small victory in my life. But when things are going good, I tend to think it's me. I made good plans. To be honest, my plans usually ensure that I experience the least amount of unwanted discomfort possible. Right? Convenience. God's plans don't guarantee that. In fact, there's usually quite a bit of discomfort in God's plan because he's teaching, pruning, and shaping. I want to ask Jason and Elsa to come back up as we wrap this up here. The Jews were so focused on going to the festival that they couldn't see Jesus right in front of them. Right there. How many times have we missed Jesus acting in our lives because we are too focused on what we thought was good and not seeking him? 
even in the calm and the triumphant moments of life. Let's pray. Jesus, you're our Savior, our friend, our bodyguard, our rock, and the reason for everything good. I'm sorry for the times that I don't focus on you. I just focus on myself. I thank you for your forgiveness and your constant pursuit to us. May we seek you in times of need and in our times of plenty. May we give you glory for all the bounty in our lives. Help us not to get caught in traditions and the events in life. Help us to keep our eyes on you. Thank you for being a role model for all of us. And in Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Amen. Guys, have a great week. And actually, before you go, make sure you come next Sunday. There's going to be a special guest musician that you guys are going to know and love. So I'm just going to leave it at that, not say who it is. But uh, make sure you guys come back next Sunday, and uh, we'll see you guys then.